Hey, it's John Ingle, and I'm excited to share that registration is now live for Grid Tech Connect Forum California. Join us in Newport Beach June 24th through the 26th for the interconnection event. We're bringing together utilities, developers, regulators, and advocates to take on one of the biggest challenges facing the energy transition, both at the DG and utility scale levels. Click the link in the episode description and use promo code PODCAST to save 10% on admission. Join our partners from the Department of Energy, NREL, Southern California Edison, PG&E, Kaiso, Sunrun, NG, Convergent, AES, and so many more for this impactful event. We'll see you there. When you go to a solar site, the means and methods were all available in the 1950s, right? Like, you know, bulldozers and, and wrenches and really low tech. If you're building a bridge, it's hard to bring that sort of factory approach, but solar is perfect for it. The Inflation Reduction Act has been signed into law. The U.S. government has finally taken climate change seriously by investing $369 billion in clean energy, energy efficiency, and climate change mitigation, ending a nearly two-year-long political migraine. Now the real work begins. Yes, solar power development is expected to explode over the next decade with the incentives and certainty provided by this landmark legislation. But meeting lofty decarbonization goals won't be easy. Siting challenges, interconnection delays, and supply chain constraints all stand in the way. I'm John Engel, Content Director at Renewable Energy World. TerraBase Energy is redefining how gigantic solar farms are built and managed using software and automation throughout the project's entire life cycle. And the company just raised $44 million in a Series B round from Prelude Ventures and Bill Gates's Breakthrough Energy Ventures. TerraBase co-founder and CEO Matt Campbell joins me next on Factor This. Are you having trouble keeping up with rapid developments in clean energy? Join thousands of clean energy professionals who already subscribe to the free Renewable Energy World newsletter. Twice a week, we'll bring you the latest news in clean energy development, research, and financing. See why Dominion Energy says its massive offshore wind project could be in jeopardy, or how the Inflation Reduction Act is already sparking solar supply chain advancements. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe today to the free Renewable Energy World newsletter. Well, I'm very happy to be joined now by Matt Campbell. He is the CEO of the software company TerraBase, which has raised more than $50 million since its founding in 2019. Um, Matt, like many of our guests here on the the Factor This podcast, has an interesting path to the solar industry, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. But I really wanted to bring him on also because of the the passing of the Inflation Reduction Act. We're likely to see this gold rush of clean energy deployment over the next decade that we've not seen in the industry before. So TerraBase's entire shtick is enabling the rapid deployment of large-scale solar plants. So with that, Matt Campbell, welcome to Factor This. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I, I like to begin all of these interviews with a, a deep dive into your background and, and your path to this industry, to solar. Um, why don't you walk us through that? Sure. Um, so I started my career in software uh, back in the mid-90s, so doing enterprise software, connecting PCs to mainframe computers. Uh, that led me into uh, a, a short time in venture capital during the internet uh, heyday in the late 90s. And Then I came out to California 
to get my uh, uh, MBA. And while there, I started my first company, which was in optical semiconductors. So these are micro mirrors to focus laser beams. And uh, after a couple of years of that, uh, it led me into the solar industry because at, at its essence, a uh, solar cell is an optical semiconductor. So I joined what was then a, a small company called SunPower, which was about 40 employees. And, uh, and I came in and was the product manager for the solar cell. And, uh, and we started manufacturing and the, company, the company's growth took off from there. Yeah. So then explain what TerraBase does. Yeah, so TerraBase is developing a, a comprehensive platform for utility-scale solar, and it's got really three components. One is a digital component, so we're digitalizing the life cycle of a solar power plant from the time that you're looking for a piece of land to when a developer is trying to optimize the site prior to construction. Uh, our software oversees the construction. It's an interface for the EPC and the owner to manage the operations on the site. And then finally, we've got software that operates the plant. So, so from cradle to grave, we've got a software solution. But I think what's unique, what we're doing versus other digital companies is we're integrating the physical world because at the end of the day, these solar power plants are gigantic you know, physical infrastructure assets. And so we've got integrated with the software an IoT platform, so an on-site data network, sensors, uh, different equipment to track operations during, during construction. Uh, and then we're also doing robotics. So uh, robotics that's connected with the digital platform that is bringing some levels of automation to the actual construction of the plant. What pieces can we automate then? Well, I'm, I'm interested in, in that angle, as many have been. I know that you, the TerraBase platform has been branded as the robot solar builder in a, a number of articles. So why don't you explain that a little bit more? Because it's fascinating. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so for, up until now, uh, the means and methods of building a solar power plant are almost entirely manual. Uh, there have been little attempts over the years to automate different pieces of it, but but by and large, uh, it's it's a pretty manual process. And 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 it's kind of um, striking because when you look at a solar panel factory, a modern solar panel panel factory is from you know the 21st century, like full automation, full digitalization. And then when you go to a solar site, you know the means and methods are almost uh we're all available in the 1950s right right like you know bulldozers and and wrenches and really low tech uh and um and so we saw an opportunity as the plants get bigger as the globe scales up you know there's projections that the ira is going to grow the market by a factor of five in the coming years um, there's a real need to speed things up and do things more efficiently so that's where we saw the opportunity um <clears throat> in terms of where you know, machines can bring efficiencies. Um, where we're focused is is on the structure, so the panels and the and the steel structures and some of the DC cabling. Um, we think that there's an opportunity to bring. It's 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 not pure robotics. It's really on-site prefabrication. So we build structures, we deliver them and install them, um, which brings. Uh, a number of benefits, you know, worker health and safety, uh, quality. Uh, we're doing things with electrified equipment. So we're getting rid of the diesel generate, you know, diesel consumption and construction. We're recycling packaging materials. And then, and then there are some labor productivity savings, but it's, it's a holistic set of benefits to the, to the project. You use the, the analogy or the connection to a, a solar manufacturing plant. Um, is that where the the inspiration for you came from was your time at SunPower thinking to, you know, how efficient and, and smooth the process is at, at one of those plants and why can't we do that on site? Was there a tie there? 
Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the thing about the solar construction is in a lot of ways, it's it's like a manufacturing operation because it's really repetitive. You're building thousands of almost identical rows and and uh, and it lends itself to to bringing factory methods in a way that other types of construction is more difficult. Like if you're building a bridge, it's it's a one off. It's hard to bring that sort of factory approach. But solar is perfect for it. Frame your outlook for the the industry in terms of pre-Inflation Reduction Act and post-Inflation Reduction Act. Well, before the Inflation Reduction Act, the 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 market was already growing really fast, and and right. and the pipelines are huge all over the world. Projects are getting bigger, um, and uh, and and if we put numbers to it, you know, this year the industry hit the one terawatt of installed capacity milestone. And that took 50 years. And then we look into the future and we say, we need to build, I mean, my view is 100 terawatts. Others might say 50 terawatts, but some incredible incredible amount of PV needs to be built in the next 30, 20, 30 years. So the, uh, the, the, the market, I think, was already poised for hyper growth. I think what the Inflation Reduction Act does is it, it draws certainty to, to the trajectory in the United States. Right. Like, um, you know, the industry can kind of go up and down with policy cycles. Having a 10 year view on the policy gives the security to the developers to make the investments in the projects. And then importantly, for the manufacturers to make investment in factories to supply the domestic market, which I think is a big win coming out of the act. Hey, Factor This listeners, it's John Engel. I wanted to let you know that you can now watch every new episode of The Fact of This podcast on YouTube. Just search Renewable Energy World and leave a rating and review while you're there. Thanks for listening. And I guess this kind of goes hand in hand with that last question. But, I, you know, I really wanted to bring you on as as we're talking about the, the rapid deployment of clean energy and it even picking up more than we thought possible after this legislation um, what does that utility scale plant of the future look like? Well, <clears throat> I think that the plants themselves will continue to look largely like they do today. I mean, there have been points in time where people predicted the demise of the big power plants. And I think mm-hmm. that's nonsense. The big power plants are here to stay. And again, there's a role for every type of solar, rooftop solar, DG solar, community solar, and then the big stuff. But um, but the economies of scale with utility-scale solar are so clear. Um, I think in terms of what you might expect in the coming years, you know, more and more batteries. I mean, we're seeing a higher level of batteries, which allows you to get more energy to the grid when you need it. Um, and, uh, and then I think the interesting development is going to be using solar for non-traditional applications. So instead of just solar to the grid, it's solar to the electrolyzer to make hydrogen as a feedstock right. into ammonia or whatever. I think there's going to be a trend towards moving loads to the sources of generation. So you know people are putting Bitcoin mining farms in West Texas. But I think you're going to see more and more of that energy-intensive activities moving to the wind and solar resource. So you, you might see, I think you're likely to see, multi-gigawatt clusters, you know, almost off the grid, just serving um, local loads. And and we see it all over the world. And the projects are getting, I, I think they're just going to get incredibly big, 10 gigawatt, 100 gigawatt. Yeah. When you have a great perspective on that too, because you work with these developers who are charting out their their course and what is feasible and, and how they can um, 
make this all a reality. We've had Sheldon Kimber on this podcast before, the CEO of Intersect, who um, just raised $750 million um, in, in large part to, to fund some of those green hydrogen operations that you were talking about. How close do you think that is? Are, are developers already talking to you about that? Or is Terabase enveloping those sorts of functions into its suite as well? Yeah, we're we're definitely touching uh, a lot of hydrogen projects, and and we've been involved with some uh, globally, um, where the numbers are starting to pencil out. So really, that's the first hurdle. <laughs> you know, do you have a yeah an economically viable application of solar to hydrogen? And and I think the first ones that we're seeing are to generate ammonia. So I think ammonia mm-hmm. is the unsung hero in all this. Although hydrogen is great. Ultimately, it can be turned into ammonia, which has got an existing market. It's traded globally. Um, And we see parts of the world where it's already penciling out, Um, like in Europe with high natural gas prices. You know, ammonia as a precursor to fertilizer is incredibly expensive now. So I think that I think that's going to be the the first application. Now, these projects take a long time to put together. You know, when we started utility scale projects in California back in the early or the mid 2000s, um, you know, it took five, six years, right? And I think you're going to see that same thing here. But the projects are under development today, and I think they'll start getting built in a serious way in the kind of 26, 27 timeframe. And then from there, I think it's just going to rocket. And are you getting most of that interest coming from international clients overseas? It's domestic too. Yeah. So it's, oh, yeah. So, so it's, it's, you know, the traditional spots, Middle East, North Africa, Australia, and India. Um, but I think in the United States, the interesting, the hydrogen projects were already starting um, before the, the Inflation Reduction Act, but there are provisions within the act, which will make the economics of hydrogen almost a no brainer. And I think we're still sort of parsing out the different aspects of the legislation and how it works in right. the project finance model. But it's clear that it's going to bridge us to to the to that um, hydrogen scale up. Well, and even an ITC extended to green hydrogen is is a game changer for for that industry um, and an amazing piece to come out of Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah, yeah, and then the solar PTC I think has a role to play, mm-hmm. and then combined with a per kilogram uh, ITC on the on the hydrogen, I think it's it's going to be terrific, and I think it's what's needed to jumpstart this this industry. But but um, I think it's I think we're going to look back in ten years or 15 years and just be astonished how fast the build out. The same thing happened in utility scale solar. When we were starting in 07 with these plants, everybody thought it was a flash in the pan. You know, it was 10 megawatt sites, but surely you're not going to do that at a hundred megawatts. And then it just blew the, blew the house off. Yeah. So I'm interested. I I mean, you've watched this industry grow up, so to speak. And what are you learning most about uh, the industry now in, in this function of leading TerraBase? Is there anything that sticks out that surprised you or um, caught you off guard about how this evolution is taking place and what your role is in it? I think it's evolved the way we thought it would. Um, you know, and and I think, you know, it was, I, I used to spend a lot of time with Dick Swanson, the founder of SunPower, and mm-hmm. we would sit in his office back in 2004 and we'd crunch the numbers on the future. What's the LCOE in the future? And it was really clear at that point that the cost curves were headed in the direction that this industry was going to take off, and um, and I and I think it's taken off the way the way um, sort of the models indicated it would, 
And uh, so, no, I, I think the growth is, I mean, I'm happy to see the growth. And, sure. um, and, um, but I think it's, it's just economically driven. I mean, the economics are so good that that itself is driving the growth. And then you put in energy security, you put in climate, and there's just so many reasons to scale this up quickly. I think, oh, actually, maybe the one thing that has been a surprise is the steep cost decline of batteries. So I think, I think yeah. you know, that's, you know, that allows you, I mean, if you put a big battery on a project, the project can be three times bigger. And so again, more solar generated energy to the, to the grid. So, so is TerraBase handling that part of the development process as well in the battery storage deployment? We get involved in the energy modeling and the construction planning with batteries. And then we've got, um, operational software that manages the plant with large batteries, uh, associated with it. We had acquired First Solar's power plant controls business. And so they had a whole system that manages the solar and integration with the grid and the batteries. So yeah, we're, in, we're involved in that. You've been working in, in optimization pretty much your whole career. Um, so I, I think you're, you're the right person to ask this question, but is, is there anything left out there that, that you and TerraBase are targeting as that, I don't know, last remaining inefficiency that we can tackle what are those what are some of those costs that we can continue to drive down that maybe we're not uh realizing yet yeah yeah i would say that although costs have stagnated um in fact costs have gone up with the high inflation this year i think there's still a lot of room for improvement um but there's not room for improvement unless we really change how we do things so that's why that's why we're building a digital and automation platform we think that these can really pull out a lot of the stubborn soft costs associated with with doing a big power plant. Um, it's also interesting that um, we think automation and allows efficiency in in some of the materials. So the design of the panel, the design of the tracker, and that um, um, you know once you once you bring a factory to the project, there's other ways to pull some cost out. So I I think that there's a bright future to drive more cost out of the plant. I think we have to to make you know, some of these projects like hydrogen pencil out, you know, a dollar a watt EPC price is too high. We got to get it below 50 cents or 40 cents. And I think it's totally doable. Is there anything out there then? Because you, you you have a pretty optimistic view of the direction the industry is going. And um, I don't I don't see you making any bombastic statements on this on this podcast. But I'm, I'm curious uh, what what does kind of keep you up at night then, so to speak, maybe not that dramatic, but um, does anything worry you about the the track the you know the trend of the industry and even Terabase's role there? Well, I mean the challenges are straightforward and we're working on it. I, I think that one thing that governments around the world need to get their head around is land use and land use planning, um, because okay. the reality is solar power plants do consume land, you know, a tiny fraction of what's used in agriculture, but it is still a land use impact. And I think that governments, United States and other countries, need to be thoughtful about the land use planning. How do we build plants that don't have a negative impact on the land? Like, how do we preserve the native ecosystems? How do we combine agriculture? How do we, um, um, yeah, I mean, leave the land in better shape than when when we found it? And and also, I think environmentalists sometimes have a little bit of uh, internal tension because they want to do renewables, but they don't like building utility stuff. scale solar. Yeah. yeah. But the reality is the energy has to come from somewhere and there are, are not sure. nearly enough rooftops in the world to supply the energy we need to decarbonize. It's, it's, you have to have utility scale solar. So, 
if you're going to do all this utility scale solar, you should be thoughtful how you deploy it. And I think as an industry, that's a topic that we need to collectively take very seriously because otherwise you're going to see pushback, pushback from neighbors, pushback from governments, and uh, and that'll slow down the adoption. So I think that that's one topic. I don't know if it keeps me up at night, but it's certainly one that I think about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a, it was a dramatic way to frame a question, <laughs> yeah. but I, I, you know, you try to get quotes out of someone yeah. one way or the other. Um, how, how can software help accomplish that goal then? Is, is that something that TerraBase is taking on as part of its approach to? Absolutely. I mean, you know, software plays a lot of roles. Uh, for example, we've got a new tool coming out that allows you to analyze a site to try to eliminate grading. So, you know, earth moving on a site is destructive of the topsoil. It's expensive. Um, and, and in an ideal world, you wouldn't do any grading, right? So we've got software that helps to, to, to get rid of that. And, um, and I think there's other things in the future. I mean, one of the interesting areas is integrating agriculture with solar, which historically meant higher, you know, getting a bunch of sheep and then taking some PR photos, <laughs> which, yeah, it's fine. It keeps. How the- dare you, Matt? You can't pull the veil <laughs> off like that. You just, you just blew up a lot of spots. I mean, every, every developer has on their brochure, the picture of the sheep with the solar panels. Um, they do. And, 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 and people should do it. I mean, it, I think it's great, but if you want to do real agriculture, <laughs> like economically, like I actually make money on the agriculture, not pay the sheep herder. Um, I think, I think there's work to be done in the in the science of like, well, how, which plants grow? How do they grow? What's the yield? Software can play a big role in that because you could take a piece of land. We know how many photons are hitting the ground. We can model the plant growth. And then a developer, because like today, if you ask the developer, well, you know, how many how many tons of lettuce can I grow under this array? I mean, right. how would you even answer right. that question? You know, so I think I think software can play roles in things like that. Yeah. Is that another area you can expand to? Like, how does your mind work in terms of we've got the core offering of what TerraBase does? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've brought in construction management, the the O and M side once we're in operation, um, development, site selection. Are, are you just thinking about all these ways that we can bring in more and more of those tools? And and curious what some of your dreams are. Digital. I, you don't I have to give it. You don't have to give away any uh, trade secrets. But. Well, I, I I dream yeah. that there's one button and it and it designs and builds the power plant. So, <laughs> no, it, it's um um, we've got our hands full and and we need we do need to kind of focus in on on a few areas. So, um, plenty of ideas about what we could add in the future. But for now, it's really just um executing especially in the realm of construction and pre-construction which, which is really where all the money is spent and and uh and so for us next year it's about scaling our construction software cons- scaling our construction automation that was a reason we just raised this financing was to to propel that growth um because the projects i mean you know, to go from 10 megawatts to 100 megawatts to 10 gigawatts is a huge amount of work to scale it. And so that's that's where we're focused. But, yeah, in the next 15 years, I, I think there's no limit to the number of things you can digitalize. And, yeah. Well, and, and your your exposure to the full life cycle of a of a solar plant um, interests me, too, because we had a conversation in um, the one of the previous episodes of this podcast about this transformation that we're seeing from developers moving away from the, you know, develop to sell, design to sell model. And they're now um, more and more often um, 
getting into long-term asset ownership and independent power producer status um, and the, seeing the value of the electron long-term. Um, does that help your business model and approach, given that you guys are, are, are with them from the beginning through the life of the project? Definitely. Yeah. No, we're, we're really happy to see that trend towards development ownership as opposed to development flip. I mean, I think the development flip at times can drive bad behavior. Like, I don't care what panel I use. I buy the cheapest. I don't care which EPC I go with the cheapest. And then the projects underperform and have technical issues. And it's and it's just bad for the industry. You know, I was recently driving through Nevada, um, south of Boulder City, where there's gigawatts of solar installed. Yeah. And there were certain parts of the arrays <clears throat> where the trackers were misbehaving. And, uh, and that just kills me as a, you know, because the people that aren't, supporters of solar will point to that and say, see, solar doesn't work, right? So it's bad for the industry. And, um, and, and I think that when, when the developer has an owner mindset, they're going to take a little bit more care, maybe spend a little bit more for a better tracker, for better levels of construction quality. And, um, and so I, I think that's good for the industry. And then for us, I mean, I think, I think, you know, bringing that life cycle view is really valuable. Did the plant perform as you modeled before you built it? And um, and then in construction, um, you know, did the did the deployment of the construction uh, follow the model that we had before we built it? I'll give you a really simple example. Um, if you ask ten professionals, developers or EPCs, you know, how many hours per megawatt does it take to attach solar panels? You're going to get ten different answers. And I think all 10 of them won't have a lot of data behind it. It'll be rules of mm. thumb, it'll, you know, which is crazy, right? We've installed billions of panels. Right. We don't, we don't, you know, and it's not to say that people don't have models, but, um, you know, we're going to be able to have real time data, you know, how many panels were installed yesterday with how many people and, and what's the correlation between the outdoor temperature and the rate of panel installation and, you know, data that's never been available before. And, um, and, and that, and coming back to your question about the, the, the life cycle, which is once you get that data, then you close the loop. So the next time you estimate a project, you can have a data-based estimate of what the deployment's going to cost. And then over time, that loop should get smarter and smarter, you know, because you've got a database that, that builds up. Does TerraBase ever get out of solar or expand beyond solar? You know, we, we, we do. In fact, just last week, we were on a call. We were getting pulled into a new sector. But, um, you know, which, we, which is uh, related to storage. And uh, huh. actually, the, the storage, we get a phone call every few weeks or so. But, but you know, I, I don't want us to get too defocused. I mean, solar itself is a monster. Like what we're trying to tackle sure. is really a lot. And, and what I always tell our team is our job is to help the projects deliver cheaper electrons. What happens with those electrons, how they're stored, how they become hydrogen, you know, that's, you know, like, uh, if you know, electric hydrogen, Rafi Garabedian, the CEO, you know, he's, he's working on a next gen cheap electrolyzer. And I said, our job is to, to bring cheap electrons to your electrolyzer, but I don't want to get into designing hydrogen plants. Exactly. What excites you, Matt, about what you're doing now, um, more than maybe other stages of your career, if we could close it out there. You know, we're just having a terrific time building, um, building the company and building the products and engaging with our clients. I mean, I think 
it it it's been a remarkable journey from you know a few of us in my garage uh, three years ago to you know having a hundred people and and being involved in you know some of these you know very very large solar power plants and um, and seeing that the customers really appreciate what we're building and see the value and um, so you know it's 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 just fun and we've got a really a really smart team and they're performing at a really high level and it's just you know it's it's uh, it's a fun time it's a very creative and productive and innovative time and and so it's um, it's it's a lot of fun and for those who are not watching a video clip I can attest that Matt is not doing this podcast from his garage you are indoors so that well that, that, is that that's actually uh that's oh not, no yes yeah, oh, so no. let, let me mention at its finest so that's my garage door there <laughs> <laughs> okay i lied well you we, have the we, bookshelf we, and everything you've got the zoom the zoom background um it, yeah <laughs> to a t <laughs> this, this was my pandemic office our our real office doesn't open in, until eight so Okay. Matt Campbell, CEO of TerraBase. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks. Three years in, more than 10 gigawatts of projects are supported by TerraBase plant control and SCADA solutions. A big thanks to Matt Campbell, TerraBase CEO and co-founder, for joining Factor This. I'm John Ingle. Connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter, and let me know what you think of Factor This. Join us every Monday as we break down solar's most important topics with industry leaders who actually move the needle. And please leave us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Factor This from Renewable Energy World. Hey, it's John Ingle, and I'm excited to share that registration is now live for Grid Tech Connect Forum California. Join us in Newport Beach June 24th through the 26th for the interconnection event. We're bringing together utilities, developers, regulators, and advocates to take on one of the biggest challenges facing the energy transition, both at the DG and utility scale levels. Click the link in the episode description and use promo code PODCAST to save 10% on admission. Join our partners from the Department of Energy, NREL, Southern California Edison, PG&E, Kaiso, Sunrun, NG, Convergent, AES, and so many more for this impactful event. We'll see you there.